Well, good morning. It is so good to be with you in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And for those of you maybe listening in today or joining for the first time today, we want to say welcome to you as well. And we are committed. We are a community committed to what? Sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. And speaking of that, I just want to give a shout out. There's going to be a celebration later in worship, but I'm, I'm up here and I've got a flying uh, dragon. And you may be wondering, what in the world is this? I had a young boy yesterday at the Single Mother's Gas Giveaway. His mother was finding herself for the first time unwed, divorced, on Mother's Day. And she was in tears. And in the midst of that, that little boy was showing me the makeshift playground in the back of the van. and said, I want you to have this. I want you to have this. And so I just want to give a shout out to all of you that prayed for, that gave toward, that showed up yesterday to make it possible to share the hope of Christ with a community that is in great need. Those single moms in our community. Praise be to God for them, for you, for any of you that may be in that or have been in that journey. And so I have this up here as a reminder of the tremendous blessing yesterday was to countless lives, to countless families. So praise be to God. Amen? amen. Can we get amen to that? And, and, and Jim so eloquently said, today is a special day. It is Mother's Day, and with it comes a whole host of emotions. There is joy. There are those expecting. Those are those that are celebrating with loved ones in their house. There's also those with sorrow who've lost their mother or even buried a child, dare I say. And then there's those that are dealing with the strife or the estrangement between a parent, a mother, or a child. And so today brings a whole host of emotions to it, doesn't it? If we're we're honest, today it does. But we stand before God that seeks to comfort us and seeks to celebrate with us life. Because without our mothers, as Jim said, none of us would be here. So praise be to God. I give thanks to each and every mother, and I give thanks to God for the life that all of us have and the life that we can have in Christ Jesus. And that's why we gather today and worship. Amen? Amen. So we're going to continue. As you saw in that video, we're going to continue in our survey of the book of Acts, and we're in week five. It's hard to believe that. But, you know, week one was chapter one and the opening of chapter two. And we saw where, where Jesus' promise had been fulfilled, that, that he said, wait until you receive the gift that God the Father has for you, the power of the Holy Spirit, and you will be empowered to be my witness. And show sure enough, they did. As we saw, Peter preached to the crowds. Some 2,000, 3,000 people came to Christ that day. Praise be to God. Week two, we kind of got into that understanding of community and the significance that we need each other, that we're meant for each other. Tammy unpacked that for us and, and, and stretched us to see that how we become a witness just in the way that we live and love one another in the context of community and we reach out beyond the community into the world. Week three, chapter three, was the understanding of miracles, how Peter brought a a miracle forth in the name of Jesus. He saw a lame man, he says, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And that lame man began to dance and praise God. And it opened the door, as miracles do, for God to get a hold of someone in a special and profound way. And it actually brought others into the fold of Christ, as we saw. They began to preach and share to those that were amazed at what had happened. And then week four, we read about how, after having been interrogated about that proclamation and that healing, people took notice that Peter and John were just ordinary people. 
you and I, that we don't have to be Christian superstars, but rather we can be simply the ordinary people that God has created us to be, but we can do extraordinary things through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And we are empowered to be a witness just in our ordinary lives, in our ordinary going and walking through, we can share the love of Christ. So imagine today when you sit there at your week five, you're sitting there and you're thinking, all right, Andy, I'm getting a little anxious because Acts is 28 chapters. Is this going to be a 28-week sermon series? <laughs> Don't worry, it's not going to be that. In fact, we're going to fast forward today to chapters 10 and 11. And in it, we find the longest narrative that Luke captures in the whole book of Acts that he writes. And so in this being the longest, it obviously meant something to Luke, a Gentile writer, that is. And it means something and it is of significance that he wants all of us to take notice of. And so we're going to jump in the middle of this conversation between Cornelius, a Gentile, and Peter, obviously a devout Jew. But if you have your Bibles handy, if you have a Bible app available, I want to challenge you to have it open because we're going to survey the whole of chapter 10 and most of chapter 11 as we delve into this very significant and poignant point that Luke wants to make in this conversation. And so I'm going to pick up in chapter 10, beginning in verse 34. And read these words. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. But accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel. Announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ who is the Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea. Beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing and all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished. The gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Merciful Father, I thank you for this privilege and honor it is to enter into your presence, to sing, to praise, and to also bring our burdens. God, I thank you for your word. And I pray that it would come alive in us today, Lord, that your spirit would move in a mighty way and unlock for us a deeper, more profound understanding of what Luke is trying to share, that you revealed to him to share with us 
through the writing of the book of Acts, and in particular, this passage. So may the meditations of our hearts and minds and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Imagine with me what it must have been like for Cornelius and Peter to find themselves under the same roof. On the one hand is Cornelius, whose role as a centurion is an enforcer of the Roman occupation. On the other is Peter, a devout Jew under the thumb of Roman rule. I mean, if you think about it, Cornelius would rank up there with traitorous tax collectors in the eyes of devout Jews as the most hated. And here it is, the most unlikely of encounters, Peter, a devout Jew, Cornelius, a Gentile, gathering under the same roof. This had the potential of being a very pensive gathering. Think about it this way. Think about it as putting Putin and Zelensky together to to picnic together, right? Or, Or what about McCarthy and Joe Biden going out for ice cream and talk about the debt ceiling and and the spending issues that we have as a country. Think about it. Or think about the the differing ethnic groups or social classes or even those with divergent theological views gathering under one roof to share a meal. You see, this was an unlikely encounter. And it brings up a question for all of us this morning. At least it brought up one for me, and that is this. Who might you find yourself uneasy hosting in your home? Or going and joining in one of their gatherings. Who? Who might you be uncomfortable inviting into your home? Or going into theirs? You see, no doubt both Peter and Cornelius would have been apprehensive about meeting one another. The only thing that they really had in common is what we find in in the broader text, if we look at it, is that they had a common fear of God. That is a reverence of God. And God knew that. And he knew that he needed to get both of their attentions in order to open both of them up to the idea of being able to have a conversation and encounter with one another. And so what does God do? Well, if we go to the very beginning of chapter 10, what we see is God speaks. And he speaks through their prayer time, each of them. For you see, both of them have this in common too. They knew what it was like to get away and simply hear from God. I love the way that Anne invited us in the very moment, early in service, just to pause and invite Jesus in to speak to us. So we see in the very beginning, as Cornelius doing this first, he's he's opening up to God, and, and God speaks to him and says, hey, not only have I heard your prayers, but I've taken notice of how you care for the poor. For obviously, Cornelius was one that was a devout follower in the sense that he was a a God-fearing Gentile, and and he took cue from those that had been called Israel and been taught to lead and to love others in the way that God had called the Jews to do. And Cornelius, in many ways, was maybe a better Jew than some Jews were in that. And God says, I see you. I noticed this. And he says, call for Peter. Send for Peter. And if you look in the text, you find that Peter is some 30 miles south of where Cornelius is living in Joppa. He's in Caesarea, and then Peter is in, in Joppa at that moment. And it's obvious that Cornelius wastes no time. He takes two servants and a soldier, and the very next day we find that they are showing up in Joppa. Now, on that day, they didn't have a fast car. They didn't have a rail system. It was either on foot 
on the back of a horse. And so they clearly made hay getting down to Joppa. Peter, we find, is also in a time of prayer, perhaps taking his cue from Jesus, is found getting away to pray, even outside of the daily rhythms that a traditional Jew would get away to pray to God. We find him at a unique time getting away to pray. Only we're told that he's hungry. Better yet, he's a little hangry. And so meal's being prepared for him. And he goes up to the roof and pray as this meal's being prepared. And in that prayer time, a vision comes. A a pig in a blanket, if you will. I mean, these four-legged animals and reptiles are lowered down on this sheet. And if you know anything about a good, devout Jew and the ethnic laws, the, the dietary laws... Back in the old day, they weren't to touch, they weren't to eat these. This was not kosher. And we see and we read that God speaks through this vision. It says, get up, Peter. Kill and eat. I know Peter's a good Jew, and he's, he's a good practicing Jew, and he balks at this, knowing that it's not a kosher thing to do, only to hear this. Do not call anything impure that God has made that's verse 15, chapter 10, verse 15. And, and in, in hearing this, I can't help but wonder if the, the at words of Jesus earlier in his own ministry, when Peter was following with him and a large crowd he gathered, are ringing in his ear because it was earlier in his ministry that Jesus had said this to the crowd. This is in Matthew 15, 11. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. So whether he recalls this or not, the vision appears some three times, and it, in doing so, and you know, Peter's a little slow. I mean, three times for everything. He denied, you know, he denied him three times. Jesus reinstated him three times. Here, he's got a vision coming to him three times of a pig in a blanket, and he's not sure what to do. Obviously, he takes cue from this vision. He gets it, and he's told that men are coming looking for him, and so he goes downstairs. Like I said, Peter is a little dense-headed at times. I resemble that remark. Any of y'all resemble that remark? But he gets the message. Because what we do is we discover that he invites these men into his home. Get that. He invites them into his home. He's not even in his own home. He's at Simon the Tanner's house, another devout Jew. And he invites these two servants and this soldier in. And it's clear that they share a meal, albeit a kosher one, I'm sure. And they presumably stay overnight because we find that they set out the next day as God had, in that vision, said, go with them to Cornelius' house. And so what happens next is what we see is that they arrive in Caesarea and the roles are reversed. Now is the time for a Jew to go into a Gentile's house, a centurion's no less. Imagine the shock on Pete's face when an occupied Jew finds himself there with a Roman occupier bent down on his knees in reverence to Pete to Peter. Can you imagine it? I mean, he's sitting here he's like, man, this is a little different, isn't it? And he tells me, he says, get up. I'm just a human just like you are. But then we find in verse 28 that Peter acknowledges the great gulf that has historically been between those like Peter, ethnically Jew, and those that are not, the Gentiles. Because we find these words in Acts 10, 28. You are well aware that is it against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God. I love it when there's a but God. Y'all know that, right? I love it when there's a but in Scripture. But God, 
has shown me that I should not call anyone unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you have sent for me? And it's at this point, Cornelius gets to replay all that the angel had shared to him in his vision and summoning. And, and there with, with family and friends, because Cornelius is, is waiting expectantly for Peter to show up. And so he's brought his family in. He's brought his servants in. He's brought friends in. And he says this to Peter in closing. He says, now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Now, Peter's put on the spot, isn't he? You talk about a captive audience. You talk about a golden opportunity to share the good news. God's teed this up so easily for Peter to spike it over the net, hasn't he? You see, it's clear at this point that God's done a thing in both these men's life, making it possible for them not only to gather, but also to hear from one another what God wants for them to take note of. For Peter, Jesus' promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit, empowering him and all of his followers to be witnesses, not only in Jerusalem, but to the ends of the earth, was becoming a reality. And after all, if you think about it, being in the house of a Gentile, far from Jerusalem, must have been like the end of the earth in the eyes of Peter. He's now among women and men that he had been taught to stay away from, to, to stay separate from, to not eat at their table, to to maybe even think less of. They didn't share in the same ancestry or of tradition. And yet the one thing, the one thing that they had in common was their fear of God, their reverence of God. And it's this that unlocked the possibility for God to show something and teach both of them something in that moment. And this is the pivotal moment that we began to read earlier this is the, the, the transition point in this bigger story. A moment in which it's not Cornelius that's having an aha moment, but it's Peter. It's Peter. Because did you catch the first verse we read? It says this, I now realize. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. I now realize it's Peter that's having an aha moment. It's a pivotal moment in the life of Peter when he realizes that the good news of Jesus is for everyone. That no one is excluded from God's offer through Christ. That Jesus will save everyone and anyone who will receive him. That for those who believe in what Jesus has done for us and desires to do in us, that we can be forgiven. That our bent toward selfishness, our bent toward lust, our bent toward pride, our bent toward greed, our bent toward fill in the blank that you or I struggle with, our bent toward sin, it can be forgiven because of Christ and through Christ and what he did on the cross. This is the great news that Peter is able to unpack and share with Cornelius and all that are gathered there. That they too could be restored back into a relationship that God intended, that God desired, that God designed you and me and for all of humanity to have with him and with one another. You see, here's the thing about the gospel. This is the thing that I think Peter was taking a hold of, is that the gospel is totally exclusive and yet radically inclusive. Let me say that again. 
the gospel is totally exclusive. Jesus did declare, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through me. And yet it's radically inclusive. Anyone who believes gets in. And that's what Peter was coming to the realization of, is that this empowered to be a witness was to everyone, to anyone, and to all. This is the great news of the redemptive work of God. And sure enough, as Peter begins to share this message, did you catch what happened? There's a Holy Ghost party that breaks out. You know, there ain't no party like the Holy Ghost party because the Holy Ghost party don't stop. What? Y'all know that? Y'all never heard that? There ain't no party like the Holy Ghost party because the Holy Ghost party don't stop. What? You get an amen to that? My kids were taught that in seminary. I came home one day, and they're, they're, out there, they're over at a friend's house, and I learned about the Holy Spirit, and they came back chanting that, and I was like, oh, my gosh. But that's Pentecost, isn't it? Pentecost came to Cornelius' house that day. And it wasn't just Cornelius that was changed. It was everyone in his house that was changed when the Holy Spirit flooded their heart with the love of God and they knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that they too were redeemed by the power and presence of Jesus Christ. That they too, in believing in Jesus, were forgiven. That they too were empowered to be a witness in their own right. And no doubt, this is indeed what they would go on to do. You know, the Jewish believers that followed with Peter, you know, the, the circumcised believers, that, that meant that they were in the club. They were, they were in the Jewish club at that day. We're astonished. They were astonished that the Holy Spirit would come upon them. And yet Peter says, who can stand in the way? Who can stand in the way? If God's doing this, who can stand in the way? And they sat there and watched the trajectory of Cornelius' life and the life of everyone else that had gathered to hear the good news of Jesus Christ be forever changed. Eternally changed. And no doubt, Cornelius and everyone in that house went on to be a tremendous witness to those around them. You see, no doubt, this encounter between unlikely people with diverse upbringings and divergent views and many things wouldn't go unnoticed. And that's what I'm particularly speaking of. Not only did those that went with Peter take notice, but if you fast forward to chapter 10, what you find out is, you know, he got interrogated by the Sanhedrin back in chapter 4 for performing a miracle. Well, in chapter 11, he's getting interrogated by the rest of the apostles. Did you really... Did you really go to that person's house? Did you really eat with those people? That's what the other believers, the apostles, were asking and questioning Peter about. And Peter goes and unpacks and says, listen, this is the vision I had, and this is the vision that Cornelius had. And as we're sharing, I mean, amazing things happen in the house there in Cornelius. And he closes this way in Acts 15, 11, 15 through 18. I want to read this for us. He says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them, just as he had come on us at the beginning. I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? 
When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to the Gentiles, God granted repentance that leads to life. So then, even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Folks, this is great news, is it not? Because if I look out, I don't see a whole lot of Jewish people here. Any of y'all claim Jewish heritage? Most of us don't. Some of us do. Is there, there's some in here. Most of us don't. It's because of interactions like this. And the interaction after that. And the interaction after that. And the sharing of faith that went from Peter to Cornelius and on down. Through other instances with Samaritans that we see earlier. And with Ethiopian eunuch that you see. If you look back in the other chapters that we skipped over. You and I stand here before God, being able to be embraced into the family of God. You see, here's a question I want to leave you with today. That's this. Do you realize that even to you and to me and to those unlike you and unlike me, that God's granted repentance to the newness of life? Do you realize that God's granted repentance to you, to me, and even to those unlike you and unlike me that don't look like you, that don't look like me, that don't talk like you, that don't talk like me, that don't think like me, that don't think like you? Do you realize that God's granted repentance that leads to life to all? Because you see, there may be some Cornelius's in our midst today. And if that's you, if you somehow bought into the lie that you're unworthy, if you bought into the lie that someone said that you're not welcome, if you bought into the lie that you've done something so shadowy, so dark, that you could never be embraced by God, if even the church has told you you're not welcome, and unfortunately, that happens, doesn't it? I say to you, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus forgives you. Jesus has made a way for you to be welcomed into the family of God. And that the Holy Spirit is available to you to fill you, to overflowing with the love of God love for other people. So if that's you today, if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't embraced a relationship with Jesus Christ today, today's an opportunity to take the next step. Look to your left, look to your right. There's probably someone sitting beside you that's a little bit further in their faith journey than you. Would you just simply reach out to them and say, would you tell me a little bit about this Jesus that you know? And with you, if you're sitting beside one like that, would you be willing to open up and talk about what Jesus means to you in your life? You see, there's an opportunity today for all of us that might find ourselves like Cornelius on the outside. And if you're afraid to talk to the person to the left or right, I know Anne or I would be glad to go grab a biscuit and tea. I'm not a coffee drinker. Now, she might go grab coffee, but I'll grab a biscuit and tea with you and talk with you. Because you too are 
were chosen by God and welcomed into his home. And to the Peters here today, to those of us that have already said yes to Jesus, to those that have already begun to walk in step with Jesus, albeit we fall and fail at times. I resemble that remark. But for those of us that put our faith in Jesus, this is what I want to say to you. You and I are not only empowered by the Holy Spirit, but you are called by Jesus himself to go and to share him with others, even those who look and think and act differently than yourself and myself. You see, we have the greatest news in the world for the entire world. Let's not shy away from the privilege and the honor it is to share Jesus with others. I want to challenge the Peters here today, those that are already within the family of God, if you will. Would you simply commit to getting away with Jesus, just like we saw Peter do on the rooftop in this text? Because Jesus wants to speak to you. And he wants to speak to me. And I have no doubt in the midst of being still and hearing from God, he will place a face or a name. that He's calling you to reach out to today. Today. Just say, hey, thinking about you. Praying for you. Because they don't know Jesus. You see, one of the greatest privileges, one of the most amazing experiences, and maybe some of you haven't tasted this yet, but this is the kind of church that I want to be a part of, that I long to be a part of. It's a church where we've all tasted what it's like to walk with someone that doesn't know Jesus into the kingdom and into his family and to see their life transformed. And to see their life changed because of Christ and because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Because let me tell you, it doesn't just change them. It doesn't just impact them. It changes the trajectory of their life and the generations to come. And not only that, I guarantee you, it will change you. You see, Peter was hungry that day. Are we hungry? And I'm not talking about filling the stomach. Are we hungry for more of God? Are we hungry enough to go out after those that don't know God? Because that's what we're called to. That's what we're empowered to. And it will light up your life, I guarantee you. It will light up your life if you had the privilege to see someone else get lit up for Christ and by Christ. If you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. And if you're not there yet, we're going to help you get there. Because that's the kind of church we're going to be. Empowered to witness. Can I get an amen to that, church? Would you pray with me today? Almighty God, I thank you for this (laughs) amazing recounting by Luke of an encounter between Peter and Cornelius. 
Because God, we, we've all been a Cornelius at one time. Perhaps some of us are still feeling like a Cornelius, feeling like we're on the outside looking in. <laughs> and God, some of us are like Peter and we've forgotten that we once were on the outside. <laughs> we're not born into this. We have to choose you. And that's a daily choice. Sometimes a moment-by-moment choice. God, may we recognize that you show no favoritism. That this gospel, this good news through your son Jesus Christ is not only for us, but for all. Yes, it is totally exclusive. It comes through your son Jesus Christ and him alone. (laughs) But it's radically inclusive because all... All who would embrace him get in. God put a fire in our belly. I pray you begin with me. (laughs) Put a fire in our belly that we would be hungry to see others to know you. And we would celebrate with them making the greatest decision they could ever make for their life. Change their life not only for now but forevermore. God, help us to be that kind of church. Let us not lose that fire that you once placed in us. I ask this in the high and the mighty and the precious name of Jesus Christ, your Son and our Lord. And all the church said, Amen. Amen.